Hello, welcome into another edition of the Daily Blues Podcast here on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you on this Friday, January 10th of 2020. Blues coming off an impressive beatdown victory over the Buffalo Sabres last night, 5-1 at the Enterprise Center, having now won two games in a row. They'll look to make it three straight against the Rangers tomorrow night from Enterprise. But as we most often do, especially after victories, we like to play how it happened for you. And here are the highlights from last night's 5-1 win over the Buffalo Sabres for your St. Louis Blues. Funnel it to the net. And they get it back on the far side. Coming through from Bozak. Now to Robert Thomas. Thomas on his forehand drag. Shoot! Score! What a goal! Robert Thomas taking a page out of the David Perron book. Toe drags at the faceoff dot and puts it top shelf in the Blues of a one nothing lead. 15-13 to play, period number one. Well, one thing that's improved over the last two months of hockey for Robert Thomas, he's been shooting the puck a lot more. He had the two-goal game last week, and right there he comes up. A, a moment in the game when he would typically look past, he decides to shoot the puck after he comes off his offside there. But the key to this whole play is the net front. Alexander Steen and Yoki Haru, they are battling hard. A couple heavy cross checks to each player, but Alexander Steen does not budge. He sets up shop right in front of Allmark right there, creates a screen, and Robert Thomas does the rest. What a shot. And coming off of O'Reilly to the middle of the ice, Bowmeister couldn't catch it clean. It's turned over to Zach, Jack Eichel. He shoots, he hits the post. Similar play is the one scored on by Thomas, but Eichel hit the post. Pilot's able to hold it in. And then it comes off a of Falk. Eichel steals it. Into the middle of the ice and put right on. Save is made. Another toe save. He kicked out the right leg. He then kicked out the left leg on the rebound. And he just made like Martin Brodeur in an Enterprise commercial. Pinching on the play was done. That gives Shen a chance to win it back. He does. Center Schwartz shooting. And a block right in front by Montour. And a puck coming the other way as Sheary leads the charge. Johansson on the right side. Rolls that in behind the net as it comes around to Froelich. Not a Montour at the line. It ate him up. And Schwartz will get a partial break. He's in. He shoots. And he had to fire it as Johansson put the burners on to catch him. Save was made by Olmark. Draw one by the Blues. Bozak picks it up. He's centered. Oh, boy. There was steam, but they couldn't connect. Thomas through to Bozak. Back to Thomas in behind the net. Dances off the end board. Centers. Bozak score! Boy, is this line finding some chemistry. Put that one on your periodic chart. 6.31 to go. Bozak. His 10th of the year in the Blues of a 2-0 lead. 6.31 to play, first period. Well, confusion behind the net. That's the area to get to. That's what made Wayne Gretzky so great. And Robert Thomas gets there. It looks like he's going to come out to the left side of Olmark. He stops. He goes back around the net, and everyone's confused. All the Buffalo Sabres have eyes on 18. They're looking at Robert Thomas, and no one's looking behind them. And that's where the confusion part comes in, and that's why it's so important to use the back of the net. Tyler Bozak kind of sneaks into that right side, a terrific pass by the player who's already got a goal here tonight and Robert Thomas. But again, Alexander Seen, two for two tonight on this line at being net front, right in front of Allmark. He creates the confusion. Allmark, I don't believe, sees this puck. And that is what's been making this line so great right now at number 20 in Alexander Steen. They get the puck to the far side, and it's saucered out. What a pass from Dunn to Bozak. And he fired it on. Olmark will make the save on a slap shot from the circle. 2.35 to go. Blues check it loose. O'Reilly, rink wide to Dunn. Fired on. Olmark the save. 
Four minutes gone, second period of play, 2-0 Blues. First period goals from Thomas and Bozak. Eichel in behind the buffalo of the St. Louis net. He gets it straight away, shoots and scores. The Blues chasing him around the net, lost him, and Eichel fires it in to give the Sabres some life. It's 2-1 with 15.38 to go in the second period. Well, the dreaded second period. Now to O'Reilly at the line. It's O'Reilly to Barbashev. Straight away to Bo Meester. Looking, shooting, deflected on. Sundquist save made. And a quick whistle by the referee as that puck wasn't completely frozen. But play whistle dead. And the Blues will go to a power play with 10.59 to go in the second period of play. Spins down along the wing. His back's onto the net, so he sends it on the back end to Schwartz. Far side, now to Perron. Slapper, he scores! Perron did it again! 3-1, St. Louis, a slap shot power play goal. Over the leg, under the glove, and it's 3-1 Blues. 9.43 to go. An all-star, maybe. He should be. He's got the Blues on top, 3-1. to one. Without question, this should be the All-Star fans. You still got a little time. Go out and vote for David Perron. How about this shot right here? It's the first unit on the power play. Nothing really going that first minute. The Buffalo Sabres clear it. The Blues get a good entry. They did not change. They're about a minute 15 into their shift. They decided to stay out there for a little bit longer, and boy, did it pay off. Braden Shen to David Perron. Shen trying to battle it back for the Blues, and now Kairou makes the short play, but it's intercepted and cleared out. Jordan Kairou's made some very good basic plays in this game. He gets in with Shen. Shen to Kairou. It's on. They score! The rebound came back to Schwartz, and the Blues extend the lead. 4-1 to the score. Jaden Schwartz, his second point of the game. 2.36 to go, period number two. Well, just as you were saying, Jordan Cairo, who's been making some good plays over the last couple games, Curbs, a player that sets up this three-on-two perfectly. Jordan Cairo, number 33, as these refs are going to take a look at it. Now, keep in mind, Jordan Cairo went offside last game. That goal got called back, and this one's going to be close. I thought it was close. Jordan Cairo led the rush right there, went to the net hard. He was dragging it. To me, it looked like he stayed onside live, but they're going to take another look at this. But if it counts, it's Jordan Cairo who goes to the net hard. He's that net front drive. Challenging the play for an offside. You know what? These days, I don't think coaches challenge unless they're 100% sure. Wow. I hope I'm wrong. Almost identical to the play two nights ago as Jordan Cairo. If he does go offside, he's going to get a look at it right here. Yep, I think so. He lifts up that back skate. This one might be called back for the second time for this line in two games. Yeah, yep. his, his left foot is yep. dragging, and he's actually is in, in the order of space, he's on side, but he lifts it up to cross it over, and as soon as he lifts that toe off the ice, his right foot, which is the only foot offside now, becomes the clear call, and then this one will be easy. Both skates have to be on the ice, so the skate that's onside has to be on the ice. After Here's the announcement. Was determined the play was offside, no goal, reset the clock at 2.40. Alexander Steen works his way in, gets to it, shoots it, and it's off the goaltender retreat. Bozak with a shot and a save made to get it back. Steen, he scores. Allmark was out of the net. Alexander.
Xander Steen with his first of the year. He stayed with it, and the Blues have taken a 4-1 lead. 14-24 to play in the third period. Steen with his first of the year, second point of the game. Well, this line right here, all three of the 5-on-5 goals have been a product of not only this line, but Robert Thomas, a goal and two assists now in the game, and he's going to set up Alexander Steen from behind the net. He gets the puck from Tyler Bozak, who originally misses after a, a great desperate play by the Buffalo Sabres defenseman. The puck ends up on back of the stick of Robert Thomas behind the net again. Remember, it was a Tyler Bozak goal he set up earlier in the game from behind the net. We talked about the confusion for the opponent. And now he hits up Alexander Steen for his first of the season. You saw the smirk and the crooked smile there from Alexander Steen. And no one's happier than everyone on that Ryan Blues Hart, bench for that number back 20. Back to Darlene. Far circle they go. Center to Eichel trying to slide in for the deflection. They couldn't connect. Sabres hold it in. Rasmus Dahlin on his forehand and a blocker save made by Bennington, his 14th save of the game. Van trying to touch it behind the net. VC looking to center. It came loose to Reinhardt. To VC on the backhand, forehand, and holding his skate on the post to freeze the puck is Jordan Bennington. Didn't give VC even a window to try and tuck it back inside the post. Blues on a Rottler pest control penalty kill. 4.50 to go in the third period. I don't see anybody else, but they've got. Like this to the empty net. Oh, that oh. would explain it. <laughs> Hello, wake up up here in the booth. Empty net goal for the St. Louis Blues. We're watching a play all on one end, and we don't realize that the Sabres had pulled their goaltender. Well, I'm telling you, these Buffalo jerseys are so white, and they kind of blend in with the ice. And where I, I usually would pick that up in my periphery, I'm like, how in the but heck that, what is going on here? Let's go Blues chance with 15 seconds to go. Man, do they love what they're seeing by this team, who with a victory tonight. The move to within three points of first place overall in the National Hockey League. Two points of first place, that is. Sabres bring it in. Two seconds they go. That'll do it. Bring out the Zamboni. Your Blues have 63 points in 45 games. And they continue to roll as they've got points now in three consecutive games. Five out of six points. In their last three games. Steen had two goals in this one. Bennington gets his 21st. Mike, congratulations on just another victory here. I guess it's commonplace on home ice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been good. You know, we're starting to establish that home ice presence. One thing that we talked about after the coaching change was trying to, to, to really uh, establish that, and we've been able to do that. So hopefully we keep it going here. How have you seen Justin Falk's play continue to rise as he gets more and more comfortable with this group? Oh, it's been great. I mean, he, you know, he switched partners a lot, and uh, that was a big task tonight, him and Bo taking uh, on Eichel there. So thought they did a good job for us. Obviously, we gave up a couple, but he's played great. You know, he's moving the puck well. He's shooting the puck often, and he, and he brings a little bit of a physical edge at times or back end too, which is welcome. What made the Thomas line so good tonight? Oh, they hung on to the puck. You know, th those teams that get real man-on-man, -man, it allows those guys to cut back and uh, lets the game become real one-on-one -on -one in the offensive zone. So for those guys, they, they just work well uh, together and read off each other. And you know what? And they got to the net, and uh, that's what made them successful. We'll talk things over with Blues forward Robert Thomas, who had one goal and two assists in his hockey game. And uh, he'll come over and... Throw the headsets on for us down near the bench. Uh, and uh, 
You've got one goal for Robert Thomas. He's got a couple of helpers in the game as well. He joins us down at ice level. Robert, congratulations on the victory here. What was, what was clicking so well for you three as a forward line tonight? Uh, you know what? We kept it simple for the most part. Um, you know, we were really good on the forecheck off the cycle, and, you know, that's what created all our chances. And, uh, you know, Cena was unbelievable tonight, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Robert, how much more comfortable do you feel because you look at uh, in the middle opposed to the right wing? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think it's just natural for me. Um, you know, I'm able to gauge speed coming out of the D zone, uh, you know, carry the puck in the O zone a lot. So uh, it's just something I, you know, I've done my whole life. So it's nice to be back there. How much of what you guys are doing right now is constant communication on the ice? How much of it is just knowing where your line mate's going to be? Uh, you know what? I think that's it. Um, you know, Bozy and I have played together a lot, and so we kind of have a good feeling of, you know, where we are. And, you know, Steiner, Steiner's always in the right spot at the right time. And, uh, you know, he does a great job of get, giving us some space and, you know, picking guys and stuff like that. So uh, I think it just works really well together. Is Boy. there any other guy that you're happier for than the, uh, the player right behind you there at number 20, Alexander Steen, for what a good leader he is? Oh, it's it's great. I feel so so good for him. You know, me and Bolsey were talking about we need to get him one and heads up with two. So, uh you know, he's a great leader, great guy, and um, a lot of credit to him. Well, Robert, here's a nugget for you for him as he, you guys go into the dressing room. That assist he had tonight, he became just the fourth forward in franchise history to hit 300 assists as a blue. That's amazing. So happy for him. Pretty cool little nugget there. Thank you, Robert. Good luck and congratulations. Yep, thank you. Well, last night at Enterprise Center, the St. Louis Blues defeated the Buffalo Sabres by a score of 5-1. to one. They get goals in the game from Thomas, Bozak, Perron, and a pair from Alexander Steen, his first two of the season. And Joe Vitale as the Blues extend their home winning streak to seven games and improve their Western Conference best record to 28-10-7 and, and 63 points. It was the Thomas, Bozak, and Steen line that took over for the St. Louis Blues last night. Well, they did, and the Blues just keep dominating here at home at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, and uh, how nice it must be for this coach and for this team and for these fans to have a different line, different players stepping up each and every night, and Curbs, you just said it. It was the Robert Thomas line that really delivered uh, the 5-on-5 five -five goals last night, and of course you get the helper there from David Perron on the power play. Uh, the Blues got up early in this game, and they really never looked back. Completely dominated the Buffalo Sabres there last night in St. Louis, and they continue this dominant performance on home ice as this homestand continues through January. And the Blues homestand continues Saturday night, 7 o'clock faceoff against Artemi Panarin and the New York Rangers. Blues over the Sabres last night, 5-1. to one. For Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. All right, the sounds and actions from last night's 5-1 win over the Buffalo Sabres. Heard from Mike Van Ryan and Robert Thomas, and then, of course, Joey and Curbs there on the recap after that impressive 5-1 win over the Buffalo Sabres last night. Joey Vitale was on for two segments today with Bernie Miklos to recap the game a little bit more and talk all things hockey with Bernie. So here is Joey Vitale on with the Bernie Miklos show from earlier today. The one, the only, Joey Vitale is in with us, and this is the first time really we've ever met as far as, uh, I don't even think we met when you were playing hockey, which is probably a reflection on me, not you. You know, I, yeah, this is the first time I feel honored to <laughs> no, be sitting next my to honor. Bernie the Great. Bernie something, not the Great. But, I, you know, I, I typed your name into the Post-Dispatch a lot. He did this, he did that. Let's keep track of the St. Louis guys. But I, uh, I don't think we ever met face to face. This, this is crazy. This is probably my fault. When you, when you ever you Google me when I was playing Bernie, you're probably not going to see very much. Hey, you did all right. <laughs> I hung in there. You did fine, man. You're one of the 
one of the trailblazers too. So anyway, we were talking during the break, and I, I want to say I think um, I think it's tough for me as a fan because I love J.K. and Panger and Fox Sports Midwest. We're the station of the Blues. I think you and Curb are Curbs are dynamite. So I'm like, well, what do I do here? You know. So what I'm doing is, I lately my pattern is to alternate, just go back and forth. Mm-hmm. You guys crack me up. Yeah. And we keep playing excerpts of this stuff. They, I don't know if you've heard any of that. I I heard coming in. Me and Alex are recording our <laughs> show for later, and and I and I had to sit outside uh, Freeze Pops' office as you were playing some of the stuff we were talking about last night, and and I'm just listening because you know the games go by so fast, right? And, and I'm and I'm mouthing off, and he's mouthing off, and. And you forget, I forget 90% of the stuff we even talked about. And I'm forgetting what we're talking about, the butts and, and the monkeys and whatever. And but you know what? You're, you're right. It's a good problem to have, I think, here in St. Louis because I always lo- love listening to Curbs and Kelly and then John Kelly and Darren Pang on the TV side. Uh, we're very spoiled here, I think, as St. Yeah, Louis fans, you know, with, with the hockey broadcast. Because John and Pang are, to me, there's no there's no better combination out in the league. I'm talking even NBC Sports because Panger's energy down low and then John Kelly's kind of quirkiness up top and they kind of just they work so well together in Fox Sports Midwest with Timmy Paps and and the, you know they do such a good job. So but you know we're having a lot of fun and and we were just chatting here and and as a my second year into this I I sometimes think oh geez did I push that too far no. or, or did I or should I reel this thing back into no. hockey and don't. <laughs> so it's finding that finding that good mix or good balance is is probably the trickiest thing as a listener as a fan I'm not talking at as an alleged as, as an alleged media professional I'm just talking as a fan uh, actually I think the balance is terrific that this is what this is my particular taste. I want some humor and some levity because, look, we're there to listen to a hockey game. And it applies to other sports, too. We're there for the game. Yeah, when something goes wrong, in fact, I'll get frustrated in general with broadcasters. Like, if it's a pretty big game or it's an important game and something happens and you're like, you can't see the TV at the time. And you're like, well, what happened there? I don't understand. How how did that and no one really breaks it down. You know, mm. you always break it down. Curbs breaks it down. Um, you guys give us the serious analysis, but you also know, you know, it's also supposed to be entertainment. And sometimes there's a lull in the action. There's not much going on. And then you sort of break out this offbeat stuff that it's absolutely hysterical. Well, so I, yeah. I think you have the right balance. I, I really, tr- I really truly do. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's last year when the season started, Bernie, in the first two months, the Blues were so bad. And I remember, you know, just learning on the go and and understanding how to keep things entertaining when you're down five nothing. Well, this year I think it's a lot of the opposite. I think the Blues are so good. They are. I mean, how many times can you say, it, in my mind, what a great back check, another big save, what a terrific goal, Blues using their depth. I mean, it's like over and over and over. I, I sound like a broken record, yeah. and it's a good good problem to have. But so now I'm sitting there thinking, gosh, I need a I need to spice something up. And Curbs, is, he's looking a little bored next to me. He's looking kind of monotone. I'm gonna kind of get some things going here and. I'm very lucky that, again, I'm still very young in this, and I will throw something out there that's very borderline. And, and Curbs is a professional in far as the sense that he knows how to take it and then kind of spin it where it, it, it continues to be appropriate because it can go down a really bad hole. And then he can like say the words the right way or redirect my comments in the right way where it's he can keep the conversation going, but we don't ever cross that line, I think. At least I haven't he, heard from uh, HR yet. Has so. he, what does he do? Does he throw an elbow? Does he kick you under the uh, under the desktop? What does he do? No, he doesn't do anything. No, no physical contact. <laughs> he just I look at him, and he sometimes has that face where he's watching the game, you know. and he kind of gets red, and he starts shaking his, his head left and right like he's in disappointment. 
approval like my dad used to do when I didn't finish all my meatballs. But oh, you know, I just know that he's on to something, and I, I just kind of go quiet, and I let him take it. All right, let me ask you this, because um, we haven't had a chance to talk, and this is this is a good one to talk about when you're in studio. All right, so you... You know, you're one of the trailblazers. You rep, you rep St. Louis so great in the NHL, and you you know you play with uh, the Penguins and Sidney Crosby, and 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 you have friends like Sidney Crosby. How and you're a young guy, man. It's not like you retired at age you know 53 or something, or you know, mm-hmm. or you've been doing you've been coaching or whatever. You sort of uh, you go from the league to a civilian life. Now all of a sudden you're in the broadcast booth. Last year, how tough is? I, I've seen this through the decades being around so long, sometimes it's tough for a, a young former athlete to step into the booth and to sort of really be candid and knowing that, you know, it's tough because you you want to be fair. You don't want to cheap shot guys, mm-hmm. but you also, the fans rely on you to sort of tell the truth and speak very straightforward if something's bad. Right. How did, was that tough for you? Because it's tough for a lot of people, which by the way, I completely understand. I, I It yeah. would be tough. Yeah, no, it was for, for a while there. And you know, when you, when you leave the game, when you leave a sport, for me, the toughest part was, and I think a lot of players maybe realize it or don't realize it until later, but you have this 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 facade or you have this ego because of what you've done. Like you're a professional hockey league player, you're a professional baseball player, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And then you enter the civilian life, as you said, and you enter the real world. And then all of a sudden you you can't get to the front of the line. You can't get into that restaurant you love. And you can't get a good deal going to Exuma with your wife. You know, so you learn the hard way that, okay, uh that necessarily wasn't me 10 years ago when I was playing league. That was just what I did. And and that to me, that was kind of a, a breakdown of your ego. You have to destruct your ego in a sense. And to me, it took a while. But eventually, I think I got a, a good balance of it where I understood that uh, I am no better, no worse than anyone else, and we're all on the same page here. So from there, that's where it kind of from the ground up I started to build. I, I got into the broadcast booth, and to answer your second part of that, Bernie, it was a, a very tough thing to do. I was almost siding more with the players I found out. You know, where Curbs would be like, Oh, and that's a and that's a bad pass. I'm like, Well, Curbs, I think the, I think the puck was spinning there. Like I was <laughs> you know, I was almost defending the players a lot, which it, it, I still do to this day. But I think I've found a better balance where, you know, if it's a bad play, it's a bad play. Uh, I have a couple rules that, that Curbs and Panger and John Kelly uh, live by, which I think are great broadcast rules. And the first one was, you know, don't ever say something on the air you wouldn't say to the player's face. I think if you do that, uh, that's a good rule because, you know. That is. You know, because if, if, let's just say, for example, um, let's say Sammy Blay has a bad game. And if I see at the end of that, you know, it wasn't Sammy Blaze night, uh, a couple turnovers there, and it just, you know, he'll bounce back, but it, certainly he's had those two turnovers really hurt the Blues. Now I can go in the locker room the next day and see Sammy. I'm like, hey, I'd be, hey buddy, whoa, tough one last night. And he'll be like, I know, I just I couldn't get it going. And we'll have a conversation about he had a rough night. So to me, that's okay because I can say it to Sammy's face. And the other thing that Curbs kind of lives by and, and Panger and Kelly do as well, you know, it, we always critique the play, not the player. So if Jake Allen, you know, or Jordan Bennington, Let's in a, a fluffy goal from the blue line. You just say, "Oh, he just missed it with his glove." You critique the actual save. You don't critique the person. You don't critique the player. You don't know right. what these players are going through. I mean, Alex Petrangelo had triplets last year, and he was struggling early in October. I mean, that's real life problems, you know. So instead of going after someone's character, just just break down the play. Just say how bad that play was, or critique how that play could have gone better. You don't need to go and cut throat and. and 
go after a player. So as long as I do See, those now, wait two a minute. things. I, th- I think you should have just called him out. <laughs> I, th- I think you should have just said, what is this guy thinking having triplets? What is this? You know, he's letting his team down. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted to get you laughing a little bit. So, That'd be good. <laughs> no, no, you got, you, you're, you're, you've got the handle. You, you, get, you got it down. And uh, listen to you reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of, you know, something my late father told me. And then that lesson was reinforced uh, by an editor who had a major role in helping me, you know, and getting my head straight and just the way I think it. Whenever they were mad at me and really if I let them down, I made a mistake. You know, my dad would always start by saying, listen, let's talk. And then he'd say, hey, man, you know, you did this, you did that. Like real, like positive things. Like I, I res- respect how hard you work. I respect this. I respect that. I appreciate that about you now. However, mm-hmm. boom, you know. Right. And I had editors like that too. And I always thought, you know, that's the best positive way to, to handle things. Everybody screws up. Everybody makes a mistake, no matter what profession you're in. Sometimes you got to be, you got to have your eyes open by a superior or a peer or whatever. But it doesn't have to be personal. It right. doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be confrontational. Mm-hmm. I do this with you my know? kids, Bernie. Right. I, I agree. I mean, my, my daughter who struggles in math, you know, and she just cannot add or cannot subtract. Uh, my son who who plays hockey now and he, he does a couple things very well. But we always try to sit him down and we say, okay, you know, Summer, this is... This is what you're really good at. We love that you're a reader. We love that you're creative. We love that you climb trees. These are your strengths. But right. there are your weaknesses. It's perfect. Because you know what? It gives kids confidence, I think, yeah. but then also kind of humbles them, too, which I think self-awareness is important. And, and when, you, when you're dealing with athletes, too, and, you know, and again, just all these years covering all these sports and really famous people uh, traveling the world covering sports, it's like, you know, it's, it's a fragile existence because it can go away so quick. So there's some insecurities there. Not all athletes, mm-hmm. but and I understand that. I would be insecure, you know? Yeah. You don't know when the dream's going to come to an end. So, yeah, people get a little uh, a little sensitive or a little touchy, and I, f- I understand the emotions. They have a lot of pressure. So I always felt, you know, it's, it's important to balance that out if you can. And sometimes in my job, which is a little different, I mean, yeah, I could be pretty tough and I know I've, you know, there are many times I haven't been exactly the most popular guy around, but that's okay too. I, the people that, the people that support my work, I owe it to them to be, you know, to do it to the best of my abilities. It's always these media jobs, even like the one that you have and the one I have, and they're totally different, but they are media jobs. They're challenging, man. Yeah. They really are. Yeah, they're, find they're, that balance. It really is. If you want to, you know, you want to serve, if you want to have the respect of players and the team. Not by being a cheerleader, but just by being fair, right? Tough but fair. But then, f- a lot of times, if a team's going bad, what I've found, in fact, um, I I probably talk about this stuff too much. If a team's going bad, though, the wor- the worst thing in the media you can do is just sort of, um, you know, give the impression that oh everything's fine, and and you know you're you're sort of being a a fanboy for the team, right? Then you lose credibility with yeah. your customers, your Big audience. Time. It's tough. It's Big tough. time, and that's what I struggled with last year, my yeah. first year in the job. I mean, two months in, the Blues were atrocious, and mm-hmm. and I think I was being more of a cheerleader, and and I was kind of losing that balance. And then that's where you know curbs, and you talk to Panger, and you talk to different guys, and you learn how to reel it in and maybe critique more of the plays or or maybe just say it in a different way or spin it in a certain direction or, you know, some player who is not having a good night. Well, you, you could talk about how they're not having a good night, but then also say that, you know, now when he's at his best, right. this is what he's doing. Right. But he's not doing that right now. But when he's doing it, he's unstoppable. So you can kind of do it in a way where you are being fair, but you are being critical because you're right. 
you know, I certainly, as much as I want to, you know, promote players and, and, and be on their good side, my main job is just to call a fair game. And, sure. and if I need to say something that needs to be said, you have to do it. But, you know, learning along the way the right ways to do it, and that just really comes down to the good mentors I have. We got about four minutes left, and we went long. We obviously did one long segment with you, and I, I just said, let's combine the breaks and so we can have a good conversation. But I did want to get, as we always do, get to the, to the hockey part of it. And I, I just, um, I'm just in awe of what this team does. Like, and whenever they do sort of go off the road into the ditch a little bit, they get right back out and they start winning again. They have the great response to any adversity, whether it be injury, whether it be a slumping teammate, whether it be a losing streak, whether it be a game that got away. They always have a great response. They get they get depth, uh, they get contributions from everyone. I mean, it's just um, you plug someone in; it, it looks like they've been here their whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you plug someone in, and there's no fall off uh, from the performance of the person he replaced in the lineup because of injury, whatever other reason. Um, the chief is amazing because uh, I like what Tom Timmerman wrote today. You know, all of his lines, it's like he's got a twosome. Like he's got yeah. two guys he plays together no matter what. He always seems to know who who that third guy should be. That I they're they are just an amazing um collection of of talent and character and depth and unselfishness. I mean I I have tremendous admiration for that team. Yeah, I do too. And you know what? You, you mentioned it from the coach, and this is where I think it starts. I mean, well, it starts with Doug Armstrong putting this team together first and foremost. Uh putting together a a team of of not I'm not gonna call them misfits, but they're not Mitch Marners, they're not the Barzells, they're not the Austin right. Matthews, they're not these like sexy players. I mean, uh, you have Vladimir Tarasenko, who's a who's a sexy player, but you know you don't you have Braden Chens, and then you go out and you go get Ryan O'Reilly after he struggled in Colorado and lost there, went to Buffalo, struggled and lost there, made comments about how he doesn't want to come to the rink anymore. I mean, that that these are the players that Doug Armstrong pieced together because he had a vision, I think. A different vision than a lot of general managers in the National Hockey League had. Instead of going to go out and get these fast, young, energetic, flashy players like the Johnny Goudreaux of the world, let's go out there and let's find players with that character who want to play that 200-foot game and that would mostly, Bernie, want to commit themselves to defense. You know, you mentioned the the players who come up with the St. Louis Blues and how they kind of fit right in. It's a very easy system to fit into. It's not very difficult. It doesn't take you three months to learn how to play the Blues way. You just have to play defensive first hockey, and that's being on the defensive side of pucks everywhere you go, and you better work, you better back check, you better be aggressive. I mean, that to me, from a work ethic standpoint and an aggressive standpoint, those two things alone are so in your control as a player. You don't need to worry about you know, a, a converting system or an umbrella power play or, or, or running some sort of neutral zone that's out of your out of your element or maybe you can't control. Being aggressive, playing hard, and playing defense, those are three things that any player would dream of loving to do because that is so within the boundaries of what they can do. And players like easy systems. Hockey players, we're not we're not that intelligent, you know, no offense to us, <laughs> but we're not that smart. You know, we you know, with coaches, they they kind of break it down to meetings. This is something one of my pet peeves always used to be with coaching and pregame meetings. But you'd have some coaches that have like thirteen bullet points before a game. We 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 as hockey players after three it just we start recycling like we we forget the previous two when you and you keep going we just keep information we, overload man we keep dropping as you keep adding it's just the way it is but Craig, when, when Andy Murray coached the Blues and I thought he was a brilliant man yeah but you know a player one time showed me so this is what we get like on game day 
like it slipped under a hotel door or whatever. I said, you got to be kidding. I said, I love Andy, but you got to, come on. It's too much. You got to be kidding. It's too much. You know, there's just no way. You know, and they, you know, just, and psychologists say that, you know, right after seven things, our human brain can't absorb anymore. We yeah. start losing. I mean, that's why phone numbers are seven numbers. <laughs> zip codes are five numbers because it's easy to remember because once you start going eight, nine numbers, then you kind of start losing it. And for hockey players, it's probably like three. I mean, it's even less than that. But Craig Bruby, his meetings, uh, his his keys, what he expects out of the team, it's always consistent and it's very simple. And players like that. They like the simple approach and, and they like playing hard for him. And they know if you don't play hard, you will be out. I mean, look what Jacob De La Rose did. Terrific uh, player to come over from Detroit, play great hockey, took a couple games off, and now he's out. Mackenzie McEachern last year, right around this time, well, March, I should say, early March, his game slipped a little bit. He got out. He never returned the regular season. He didn't play one playoff game. That That is how quickly you will be out if you do not play that urgent, aggressive style of hockey. So players know that's what is expected of them, and it's an easy system to follow. And this this, this team has has just got the depth to to keep pushing forward. I mean, you shut down the Ryan O'Reilly line, who is a shutdown line in general. He's got the responsibility of shutting down the best players in the world. He does just that, and sometimes they do score. So to me, that's a great line. But sometimes you're not going to get scoring out of that line because they got to defend. Well, then here comes a Braden Shen line with Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Cairo. They should have had a goal last night. They've been playing terrific hockey, but they don't get on the board. Well, then here comes the third line. I mean, eventually you are going to break a team because you have such great depth on the offensive side of things, and you have a commitment to play defense, but eventually that that defense will turn into offense, and we see that with the St. Louis Blues. You look at their defensemen. I mean, Travis Green in Vancouver made a comment in the press earlier this year that this is the best defensive group we've seen in the National Hockey League, and I agree. The big bodies, they play with structure, long sticks. Alex Petrangelo is playing out of his mind right now. Colton Pareko, when he comes back, uh, I think he's a top-three defender in the National Hockey League. I think another one year, two years of improvement and maturing, I think he will be the greatest defender in the National Hockey League. I've heard Al McGinnis say it from his own mouth. So uh, Jordan Bennington, Jake Allen, we got Billy Huso, the depth on defense, Joel Hoffer, who just won the World Juniors for Canada. I mean, it's a good time to be a Blues fan, Bernie. I know you Wonderful said it. Wonderful time. I, I know you time. said it a lot, and and you're absolutely right. I mean, this, this, window, time. this window is open, and knock on wood with health, this, this window will stay open. Good stuff there with Joey and Bernie. Joey doing a great job in his second year as the color commentator on the radio side for the St. Louis Blues. Of course, local product as well. All right, last night on our Reporter's Notebook, Alex Ferrario had a chance to sit down with a writer from NHL.com, Nick Kotsnika, talk all things St. Louis Blues and the All-Star Game coming up and kind of get a national perspective of what's going on around the St. Louis Blues. So here's Alex with Nick. Nick Kotsnika stopping by with us today. And Nick, it's great to have you in St. Louis, buddy. How are you? I'm great, man. Great to be back. Ready to go for the All-Star Game, I'm assuming, right? It's itching closer and closer. Yeah, definitely ready to go. Like, it's amazing how fast the calendar starts clipping. Uh, you know, I was just in Dallas for the Winter Classic. Yep. And, like, it's sort of like every year once you get past the Winter Classic, it just starts going, right? right. we got an All-Star game. we got another outdoor game. We'll have the trade deadline. Uh, you know, it's amazing. Before we know it, it's playoffs. It's funny because you're in the locker room all the time, Nick. You talk to these players. They talk about what a grind it is of the season. But on our angle of this, it is. Once you hit that Christmas break, mm-hmm. it feels like everything just steamrolls right into the playoffs, and it feels yeah. like it flies by or fly bys for us. Yeah, yeah, it is a grind, though. Yeah, oh <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's a long year. Uh, there's a long way to go till the end, but uh, you know, it, you get to the fun part. I, I always think a hockey season just gets better yeah. as you go, right? And it ends in, to me, the best two months uh, you could ask for oh, in sports. For sure. So, like, 
Yes. You know, it's it's both. It's a grind, and it's uh, it gets grinding fast here coming up. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on this Blues team, Nick? I mean, so many people talking about it around the NHL, a team that wins the Stanley Cup, a team that you'd expect some type of hangover, and really they've been one of the best teams coming out of the Western Conference this season all year. Impressed. I mean, how can you not be? Uh, you expect, you know, a hangover. Mm-hmm. Um, they really haven't had one. And you look at the West, they're right at the top. You know, league standings, they're right near the top. Um, and this is without Vladimir Tarasenko. Right. Right? Like, they're, they've got a great power play without him. Um, I think it's a testament to their depth. I think it's a testament to the coaching. Um, and I think they found a way to play that second half. They got a taste of winning, and they're just, they're, they're, they're I don't know, they're dialed in. Right. right? And, you know, it's smart, too. The, the depth allows them to roll four lines, you know, three pairs, allows them to distribute uh, ice time equally which takes some of the fatigue away. Like if you're relying on a couple guys, um, maybe they get tired or hurt and you got a problem. But if, if you rely on a team, which is what they are, they're, they're a team, um, maybe it's easier to get through that. Well, and it's funny too, you know, you have to talk about Doug Armstrong and the way he's put it together, Nick. I mean, you've seen so many different organizations and how they can get salary cap handcuffed. I mean, mm-hmm. Chicago Blackhawks right now, you even look at a team like the, the Nashville Predators who could be in that scenario shortly, Minnesota Wild, another one. You appreciate what Doug Armstrong has done with the team, right? Because you put all of that depth together while having these top players consistently play for you. Definitely. And to me, that's why they won the Cup, and it's why they're going to contend for another one. Right. Uh, it's really, you know, the strength of this team is its depth, is its team play, um, and I think you're seeing it right now. From the outsider's perspective, Alex Petrangelo's name is talked about so much right now, and without question, one of the Norris Trophy consideration players with John Carlson do you think that makes it a lot more stickier for the Blues moving forward for the way that he's been playing? From a salary cap standpoint, yes, but that's a problem you'd like to have, right? right? Like that's a good problem to have. Like you want players to excel, you want them to deserve money. <laughs> uh, he's on that list. Uh, I would rather have that problem than have him struggling and 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 the other way. So I don't know where contract you know talks are. I haven't dug into that, uh, but I would say yes, it's an issue. Uh, I would rather have that issue than, than another one. Yeah, without question on that one. Again, we're talking with Nick Kazanika of NHL.com with us here on our Reporter's Notebook. So, Nick, Central Division in a whole, you know, at one point this season I think you looked at it and said, well, you got the Blues, you got the Avalanche, and then a bunch of other teams who were underperforming. Well, now the Winnipeg Jets have been winning, the Dallas Stars have been winning, heck, the Minnesota Wild have been winning to put themselves back into playoff consideration. Of all those teams in the Central right now, who do you think is the most dangerous other than St. Louis? Dallas. Really? And, and I think I really think Dallas coming into this season. I think St. Louis saw how dangerous Dallas can be last year. Yeah. Uh, I was just with Dallas at the Winter Classic. They're hot right now. They're feeling really good about themselves despite the coaching change and the turmoil. Uh, they're rolling. I mean, this was a team that was one bounce away from beating the Blues, you know, the eventual Stanley Cup champions. And I talked to Ben Bishop, um, St. Louis boy, uh, yeah. about that. And you know, they feel that if they can get rolling, um, you know, th- that that's inspiration for them to come back and, and have a strong playoff, and, and why not the Dallas Stars? Do you think that makes them a dangerous team because of the start that they had? I mean, it's kind of replicable what the Blues did, right, where you have a rough start and then you get a coaching change, albeit not the type of coaching change that the Blues had, but could make them that much more dangerous. Well, much different circumstance. Um you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of parallel there, but, you know, the one parallel is they have goaltending. Yeah. You know, the Blues found Jordan Bennington. 
Uh, I think that was the real key to everything. Right. Uh, that allowed, you know, the team to play differently in front of them. I mean, without Jordan Bennington, none of this happens. Well, they've got Ben Bishop. In my mind, he's one of the best goalies in the league. I think he should be in the All-Star game. Um, he gives them that base, um, and they've got a pretty good team in front of them too. Nick, and of course you're here with NHL.com, and you're here for the, the little bit of a homestand preparing people for the upcoming All-Star game on NHL.com, right? Yeah, and the, the fun part about it is which story do you write, right? <laughs> right. Do you write O'Reilly? Do you write Petrangelo? Do you, you write Biddington, Barube? Maybe David Perron, Perron right. who I think uh, if it were my up to me, it would be David Perron. Right. I think he should have been on the list in, in the beginning. Um, so, But to me, the, the, the overarching story, too, is just St. Louis. You look at St. Louis right now. The All-Star game was coming here anyway. The rink was getting renovated anyway. Uh, the practice rink was going up anyway. But all this has come together so awesome, right? right. Like, so, you know, they win the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, this rink finished its – you know, renovations. Yeah. The new practice rink is finished. I walked in there the other day for the first time. Unbelievable, uh, isn't it? a beautiful place. Uh, now you've got the All-Star game, you know, it, and this is at a time, too, where you've, you've got great youth hockey in St. Louis. The Winter Classic was here not long ago. It's the golden age of hockey here. Right. I don't know that it's ever been better, and I've been coming here for a long time, so it's great to see. I mean, I think this organization has gone from good to great, mm -hmm. and now the challenge is to stay there. Well, you know, it's not even confirmed yet, but if that Winter Classic happens where the Blues playing Minnesota Wild next year, I mean, that's a big span right there, Nick, where you're talking about a team that's in the spotlight, not just in hockey, but in professional sports. Well, I've got no news to break for you <laughs> on, on the, the fact that they're, you know, the, but let's – Everybody assumed, oh, it's the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Because the they're always Blackhawks. there. Well, they're, why were they always there? Because they always won. Well, they won. They were a glamour team. Uh, they traveled well, mm -hmm. right? They were a good business, Yeah. right? Well, now the Blues, like let's say it's the Blues, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be the Blues? You know, they were winning. Uh, they got passionate fans. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are going to watch on TV. You know, the, if, if it's the Blues... I think that's a good indication of how far this franchise has come that they they would be the road team in an event like that. Well, pay attention to Nick's Twitter account and, of course, NHL.com as we move closer to the All-Star game. Does phenomenal work along with Luke Korak, NHL.com coverage of hockey and, of course, the St. Louis Blues. Nick, thank you so much for stopping up here, buddy, and uh, enjoy this one tonight and enjoy the next couple. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great stuff there from last night's Reporter's Notebook with Alex Ferrario and Nick Kotznika of NHL.com. That's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast. We're back at it on Monday. Blues uh, welcoming the New York Rangers tomorrow night at the Enterprise Center. We're on the air at 6 o'clock with the Mitsubishi Electric pregame show presented by First Community, followed by the BMW West St. Louis pregame skate at 6.30. Curbs and Joey with the puck drop just after 7 on 101 ESPN. My name is Dan Betlock. Remember, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Signing off here on 101ESPN.com.